I had a really bad annual review. It was terrible. So I wrote an 11-page rebuttal. <laughs> you know me. Yeah, that's, that's classic. Great. Classic <laughs> Rebecca right there. This episode of Friends of Flow is brought to you by NCLEX Mastery. If you're a nursing student and you're about to take your NCLEX, you need to go to the App Store right now and download All right, welcome, NCLEX Mastery. Uh, folks, this is Friends of Flow, and you're talking to Dr. Tesja Jealous, and I have with me... Uh, Dr. Andrew Witters, DNP. And Rebecca Porter. Um, no, you go to go. Keep going. Okay, I'm Dr. Rebecca Porter. And we actually brought on, um, so we're the Friends of Flow, which means that we are um, nurses and nurse practitioners, researchers, and clinicians who like to get together and talk about nursing subjects, correct? And we're lucky today we brought on um, Rachel Hedren with us today. So go ahead and say hello, Rachel. Hi, my name's Rachel Hedren. I'm a medical psychiatry nurse at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics. All right. So the big question today is... Nursing violence. What, why, why do nurses eat their young? Do the nurses eat their young? And so to do that, we, um, Rebecca, actually, Dr. Rebecca, is an expert in this content. So give your background just a little bit, Rebecca. We know, I've known Rebecca for 20 years. Kessie and I go back a long time when I used to be a nurse practitioner. And um, we, we've spent a lot of time talking about why, why do nurses, some nurses behave the way they do. And some people, call, historically, it's been called nurses eating their young. Right. And I did some looking back in the literature, because that's what I do. And I wanted to know, when did this all start? And actually, the term was coined in the early 1970s. And um, it really began because uh, nursing started over 120 years ago in the United States, in a very patriarchal society. And the people called to nursing were asked to be demure, um, quiet, well reserved, well behaved women. Oh my gosh, we should not be in the profession of that. I, I, don't, I don't think I knew that. I, I really don't think <laughs> no, that, the I, history of that I knew that specific uh, part of, you know. Uh, American history. Yeah, so I, I, my PhD is in ethics, and I, of course, love the history of nursing ethics. And there was a book I found written in 1905 by a nurse ethicist who, who put in the requirements to, entry requirements to nursing school. And so you bring those um, Victorian morals forward into the early 20th century, and, and things like that die hard. And the role of women began to really change probably in the 1970s after the sexual revolution of the 60s. But nursing is primarily a women's profession. There are men in there now. But nurses have never been empowered to do what they do. And um, I think, sidebar, that when you ask people, what does a nurse do? My answer is, you'll know when they don't do it. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes, yeah, sense. For sure. that makes some sense. So you look at the patriarchy and you look at um, the uh, power grid, the power, what's the word, um, gradient mm-hmm. in a hospital. And in society, it's men sliding down to women. 
uh, old sliding down to young. Sure, what's uh, valued versus not valued in society. Right. Targeted identities, yeah. Right, Mm -hmm. right. So um, you put women, a group of women, intergenerational women, people who are late baby boomers who have held on to that role of women that they grew up with, of not questioning, of doing what you're told, of working with older boomer men, physicians, who are used to telling people what to do. Do you think that's still prevalent in today's society, that, that same gradient? In society? Well, I guess, I guess within, within, within the profession of nursing, excuse me, within, within the profession of nursing, do you think that there's still that, that gradient of... of um, I think that there's um, oppression, I think that people in power, people in positions of power, unless they are very self-aware, unless they are practicing with moral leadership, um, with kindness and generosity as leaders, um, are not aware of what they're doing to people who are following them. And, and so I think that power gradient sets up a place of oppression. And, and to take that just a step further in, in, my, in my head, I, I, I look at a lot of nurses, and, and I've been practicing for, for over 10 years as a nurse and a, a nurse practitioner. And I think that oftentimes nurses will make sacrifice, professional sacrifices, and that's almost an expectation at the sort of the corporate level, the business level, within hospitals and perhaps even in private practice. It's expected that you stay uh, past a certain time, past your, your regular shift time to get down with your charting. You're, you're expected to do X, Y, Z for your patients because uh, that's what good nurses do. It's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that that's, that can be problematic because nurses give so much of themselves and so much of their time that uh, once that becomes this expectation... Uh, it, it almost becomes self uh, demoralizing if that if that makes some sense. Um, so I, go ahead. So comment on that. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, how, how does that I, fit in I with think, that with that I model? I think that okay. I'm going to be really political here. I think that's a blue collar. That's a very pink collar, blue collar attitude. If you look at white collar workers, if you look at corporate executives, if you look at physicians, if you look at attorneys. Um, they're not saying, "Uh uh-oh, my shift is over, i got to get out of here. They're saying, there's a job to do, this is my client, this is my patient, I'm going to stay here because it's my responsibility. That's just a a counter-argument. So I think it's how getting, I think it's how we are socialized into our role I think it's the environment that we work in, and I think it's a product of our society as well. Um, Just because it's 3.30 in the afternoon, and if your patient is still having chest pain or a psychotic episode or is in a code, ethically, morally, are you going to walk out the door? Are you going to feel that you've sacrificed something you know, what is sacrifice? And in the face of somebody's suffering, what does it mean to suffer? And what do we sacrifice to meet that person? 
that patient at their moment of suffering. Oh, of it's three thirty. Got to get out of here. Of course, yeah, right. So, so let's talk about that that translation then from that sort of model and the historical model that you just mentioned. How does that translate then into what what we see in within the nursing profession this this idea that we quote eat our young unquote. I think if we put um, this disrespectful behavior or lateral violence, whatever word that you want to put onto it, um, into a theory, and if we use that theory of human behavior, um, we can begin to separate that there are three different components to to this kind of behavior. And we look at um, uh, people, their own psyche, their own psychology, their own uh, behavior. And if somebody is already has a propensity towards violence or towards being rude, and that's their normative behavior, or they're a narcissist, um, we can see that in our world today, what happens with a narcissist and, and the bullying that that creates. Then the second component of that is um, the organization. What does the organization value? What does it, what, what's the socialization that we're put in into that organization where we're working? And is oppression allowed? Is that hierarchy um, protected? Are people in power protected and everybody else is kind of just get your job done and be quiet? And it doesn't matter how you're being treated. The third component of that human behavior is um, are, are, um, are the values of the organization. So it's the human psyche, the values, and, uh, uh, and the socialization of how we're, put, how we're treated and what we expect. So how does a new nurse come into a situation, uh, perhaps a, a nurse that's being interviewed, come into an organization and find ab- out about those types of variables in an organization? I think it's hard to get to that question. Let me just pop out a statistic. Sure. Up to 85% of nurses are bullied in a, in a hospital. And that's been going on for decades. Uh, a huge proportion of those brand-new nurses are going to leave within the first year because of bullying. And doesn't that, doesn't that drive you guys nuts? Because, I mean, t- so... The, the first podcast that we did, you alluded to the idea that we're the most trusted profession. We're, we're the most trusted. It does and, and then, make you sad. And then, mm-hmm. and, and then I, I hear stuff like this, and this is embarrassing for me as a, as, as a provider and as a nurse because we, we're, we have this, this caring desire to do what's right for people, but we can't seem to take care of ourselves. And it really, it really makes it me really, mad. It really is really frustrating but I think if you add up all of those issues of gender issues, intergenerational issues, um, funding cutbacks, Rachel can talk about um, the high pressures at work of acuity increasing. It's normal now. So you're working in a pressure cooker. And then you add on on, on top of all these other issues. And when we're talking about it's okay to have an angry outburst. We all have those. It's, you know, exactly. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, we all have moments of anger. But I think what we need to get at is what is the definition of bullying? What is the definition of abusive behavior? 
And so let's open. I'd like to know what your thoughts are about what, what do you guys think? Rachel hasn't had a chance to talk yet. I would say the biggest thing that I've noticed is that um, the gossip that goes on and when you come into a new environment and you don't know anyone, um, I, I, there's not really anything to say. Um, and if you don't say anything, people sometimes can ostracize you for that, for not really having an opinion about someone or something, whether it's systematic, um, whether it's management, whether it's just, you know, some kind of procedure that's protocol uh, in the unit. Mm-hmm. They're looking yeah. to see whether or not you're part of the club. You right. know, can you join in on that gossip? Because it's um, yeah, interesting. That's a lot what of do pressure. you think about that? That's a lot of pressure. I mean, just in general, that, that, that seems like a lot of social pressure to just fit in. I just watched the movie Mean Girls. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I had to rewatch that. Is that the one with... Uh, Dougie C is uh, Dougie, saying Dougie he loves producer this. Yeah. Is, is patting his heart. Is that the one with uh, Rachel McAdams? No, and, and uh, Laura, uh, Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Lohan. Lohan. Yeah, yeah Lindsay yeah, Lohan. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. So <laughs> it, it is really hard to be the new person. It's really hard, as you brought up, to um, Andrew... You asked, how do you, how do you find out about what a unit is like? And I, I think mm-hmm. it was a couple of weeks ago we talked about um, how do you interview for your first job? What, what are the questions that you ask about your first job? That it's your market. You, know, you can get a job pretty much wherever you want. And so where do you want to work? And you should have your criteria set down on... You want to work in a place where scholarship is valued? Yeah, higher, like higher education, mm-hmm. going on to school, that needs to be supported. I was told before I interviewed not to talk about um, potentially going to grad school because it could limit my potential on the unit. They would not see right. me as um, management material because they knew I was going to leave. Wow. But I didn't really take that advice to heart, and luckily I was that was well-received by my assistant nurse managers. But it's something that's out there that a lot of new nurses hear that I think is But that, right. that alone seems like there's a desire to just press you into a, uh, have the peg fit its, its hole. Right, and, and, and really, go ahead. That, that, that's it. And I, I think that, that, just sounds, that just sounds very forward, and it, sounds, it doesn't sound like an environment that is that would be made attractive to a, a, especially a new person coming out of school. The other, you know, well, did you have something else to say about that, Rachel? No, not really. I'm just glad at least where I interviewed that I didn't have feelings of, that I couldn't express um, my own educational goals. I thought that made me more marketable. And if they didn't see it that way, I knew it wasn't going to be the place for me. Right. And Agreed. so another question that you could ask is how is conflict handled in your unit? You know, before we go on to that and the new thing, I wanted to get back to something that you said early that resonated with me, Beckers. And so that's the, that was when you said something about well-behaved, well-behaved nurses. You know, you had to be a well-behaved woman. And so consequently, I think when, like, when I run up against resistance, that I would, it's easy for me to fall back and say, oh, I'm being such a B.I., you know, a bitch. Shh. Can we cuss on um, on the podcast, Dougie? See, he says, "Yeah, we can." You know, you get this as a as person who was raised, and um, I'm a I'm not quite a baby boomer. I'm at the tail end of the, of the baby boomers. So you're up there, Cassie. I, I was born in '65, which you're, means you're the, right last the, the last day of 1965. Yeah, you're I'm barely a boomer. My age. 
Um, but I guess my 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 thought is that you come up. Yes, I'm, of course I'm a nice person, and I was raised in nice Iowa, and I'm moving forward, and and then I come up against a like I want to be like say my mind about something, and um, and you I sound to myself kind of bitchy. And and I have an internal conflict about this and how it's accepted. And maybe this is just revealing myself a little too much, but I think it resonated with me when the culture out there is we're still supposed to be nice. Yep. And where does the point of being assertive and, and ownership of that is just simply that's me and I'm being assertive versus, oh my gosh, they're going to think I'm a BI. Well, See? that goes back okay. to... Oops, Dougie C. saying we're off to a break. Here at NCLEX Mastery, we love nurses and especially nursing students, but we need your feedback about this podcast. If you have ideas on topics or you have questions you want us to answer, shoot us a message, leave a comment, go to our Facebook page and just tell us what you think because we want to help you in the most specific way that you need that help. Thank you so much. Okay, so... Lead on, like, Macduff. I would like to. This is Macduff. I oh, I was at Macbeth last night. I don't. Was know it if lovely? I be, we, it's but it was hot. Was it outside? Oh, yeah, it was Lightning hot. Lightning and thunder. Uh huh. Anyway, Rachel, you brought up the thing about gossiping, and um, gossiping is so much fun. It really is. Oh yeah. It really is uh-huh. fun, until, until somebody gets hurt. Hmm. And and so you have to be able to um, exercise some street smarts, and right. and be able to discern whether this is just fun gossip about something fun, or is it destructive, or is it whining, and what's it accomplishing? When you get into kind of gossip that is mean or divisive, or the mean girls are trying to split a group, splitting, mm-hmm. or there's a clique being formed and you're not part of it. Um, it takes a lot of courage. I was going to say moral courage. It is the same thing. To say, I don't know all the facts about this, and I, am, I don't think we should be talking about this, and when you have all the facts, I'd love to have a conversation about it. There aren't any facts here. We're just speculating. And, and I'm not going to be part of this and walk away. But, but that's being done at the, this, this predication that, that yes, it's, it's, it's courageous to say that. But then the person who says that is also putting themselves out there to be destroyed socially by, yeah. by, by, by gossip and, and by, you know, perhaps yeah, nurses on a unit. What does it feel like, Rachel? You do psychiatry. What does it feel like to know that you're sitting and listening and laughing right? when you know you shouldn't be, but you're going along to get along, and then you go home and you just think, who the heck have I been hanging out with? Who the heck am I becoming? Yeah, that's difficult. There's, you know, what's it like to be new? What's it like to have that happen? How hard is it to just walk away? I think for me, my role was a little bit different because I'd been a student there before, so I I knew people. But um, hearing from other new nurses that are very good friends of mine, it it has 
really destroyed them psychologically. Um, they they can't really handle it, and they don't feel like they can talk to people above them, like their assistant nurse managers or nurse Why? managers. So Why some of them have chosen to um, either move into different roles or move to different institutions. But Becky, that, this gets into your second part of your theory. I mean, right. it's the moral, the, you know, your yeah. own sense of self and and your own courage, I suppose, and then and knowing yourself, but then the organizational and supports so part, around you, and then what's in what's supported in the organization. Exactly. So part of being able to take a stand, uh, and the healthy response is to say, I, I can't do this anymore. But then having the courage to say to human resources, I am leaving because of the um, intrepid gossip uh, I'm being bullied for the last six months. And that's one of the definitions of bullying is that there's a target. Its purpose is to isolate and separate and uh, humiliate another person or group of people. And, and it has, there has to be a pattern and it has to go on usually for about six months before it's really called bullying. So let's expand on you that know, for a little bit. Um, so what, what else can be done besides going to to HR or, or going to management or even the people, the, the, the people that are conducting the, the, the bullying. Um, because th- th- this could be, this could be a, a lone rider situation where, where a nurse might feel completely on his or her own. Uh, uh, to, and that, that, that right there takes a tremendous amount of energy um, and courage. So let me tell you a story. My very first job, I was bullied by my nurse manager. A lot, this is a long time ago. But I was, I was isolated in retrospect. I realized, only after I, many years, did I realize what had happened to me. And this nurse manager had bullied me. She started off my first day of work by saying, I hate nurses from two-year two and four-year programs. This was at a time when there used to be three-year hospital-based programs. And I was from a, quote, four-year program. And I knew things weren't going to go well from there. And she kept giving me really ho- horrible assignments that I, I told her on the first day, for instance, I've never, I never had any training in emergency room care. In the University of Calgary, we didn't do emergency room or critical care. That was considered you had to have a separate um, education and certification to work in those areas. And it was considered postgraduate education. First day on the job, where did I get assigned? It was a small rural hospital, the ER. First case in in the morning, multiple vehicle accident. And there I was. And I I asked for help, and I was told that I was weak and stupid and inept. And so I told the physicians that I've never done this before. Tell me what you need, and I will do my best. Um, There was another day, there was a code, and I started to do CPR, and she bumped me out of the way and said, get the hell out of the way, you're of no use here. And next time there's a code, it was just awful. And and just like you find in the literature, that kind of bullying um, can be covert, like getting really bad assignments repeatedly. It can be uh, people targeting you without eye-rolling, sighing, writing notes about you. Or it can be very overt, like she, she was brushing me aside. 
but no matter what it is, we have our responses are soul breaking. Rachel, you talked about friends who have left a unit. And, and they're doing that to protect their own health. And we know that this kind of behavior affects us physically, that, that people get gut pain, chest pain, chronic illness flare. So as nurse practitioners, when you see nurses coming into your practice with these inexplicable symptoms, that you can say, tell me what's going on at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and mentally, depression, clinical depression that needs uh, psychiatric intervention, um, loss of faith, loss of friends, getting into bad coping strategies like drinking too sure. much. Um, it, it, it has. So, what do you do when your manager is the bully? I had a really bad annual review. It was terrible. So I wrote an eleven-page rebuttal. <laughs> you know me. I That's classic. Could, classic Rebecca, right there. And I sent that letter to the chief of medicine and the director of nursing, and then I quit. And and she followed me into my next job. She wrote a really horrible evaluation, but I, my next job saved my life. Well, saved my professional life. So this has been going on for decades. And what do you do? We can talk about things that you can say towards different things. And tests will have lots of um, perspective, lots of things to add from her psychiatry um, training. But ultimately, we have to look after ourselves. And as we look after ourselves, and after we gain some seniority where we are, we have to spread our kindness and generosity to one another. You have to stand up. You have to walk into your unit on that first day with your shoulders back and your head held high and look people in the eye and let them know that you're not going to be one of their targets. You're here to work. We're not here to be best friends. We're not here to be uh, in a clique. We're here to care for patients. And what we hold in common may not be our personal values, but what we do hold in common our 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 professional values, our code of ethics. Bravo. Yes. Bravo, Rebecca. And so part of that part of that code of ethics is that we care for ourselves as we care for our patients. We care for one another as we care for our patients. This is why we're trusted profession, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's... So <laughs> what do you say when they're gossiping? Well, we, we can say... We, I spoke about that. What do you say when they are... Uh, rolling her eyes. I didn't get that bath done today, Rachel. Um, I'm sorry I have to leave that bath for you. And you roll your eyes at me. Or I I roll my eyes at you and say, God darn, I've got to start my shift already 10 minutes late because I have to go do a bath. And I roll my eyes. What can you think? I, I don't oh, mean to put you on. Oh, I can think of a, a lot of first things I'd say. Well, <laughs> no, I know, but this is no, this I is we you. have to be you professional. Exactly, we do have to be professional. Um, so think for a second. What mm-hmm. would you say to somebody mm-hmm. who rolls their eyes at you? 
I think a lot of it comes back to education before we even step on the floor at our first job. I think it comes from this is the reason we have nurse residency programs. I think they need a lot of work, and these are the things they should be helping us learn is right. how to handle ourselves right. better. So were you ever taught what to do, what to say? No. Okay. So this is, don't you think this, this gets important. at leadership, individual leadership. And I think when you're the, what you, when you think you're the lowest man on the totem pole as a new nurse and, or whatever your new job is, then you don't think you're a leader, but and maybe leadership, to me, leadership, it's personal leadership, not just like taking a position to be a leader. Right. So I don't, and I do think that going through vocabulary, I think in some of those, I mean, Rebecca gave us three or four articles that we were to read in preparation for this. And we could put up those citations on the Facebook site if people are really interested okay, so in it. So here's some ideas but, when you get, yeah. when you're, oh, yeah, when we, somebody is rolling your eyes at you, you can say, I see from your facial expression, or I saw your eyes roll, and that indicates to me that you have something to say to me, and it's okay to talk to me. I'm I'm safe to talk to. And and um, when somebody says, "Oh, you're just a newbie. No wonder you didn't get everything done. You guys are all the same," as you can say, you know, I I know I have a lot to learn. I'm in my first year. But I learn best from people who respect me. I learn best from people who treat me with respect. And what, how could you reframe, rephrase that that would help me learn? And then, but, That's a great but response. What, what you also have to remember is that sometimes people who are mentoring or precepting appear to be really critical and it can be A, their personality, B, they've got standards, but C, they want to be sure that you know what you're doing. And you can perceive this as overbearing, but they are also saying, I'm responsible for what you're doing right now. So I'm going to be on your case while mm-hmm. this is getting done. So have a little thicker skin. Hmm? Yeah. yeah, and I think that's something I got a lot of on my unit, and it was the best thing for me. And I'll Which never what? that I got all that constructive feedback that made me made me strong from the beginning. Which and that's is what hard? people need. Do you have an example, Rachel? I think the biggest thing was being a medical and a psychiatry unit. Some of the medical stuff, really, we just didn't have a lot of experience in a nursing school. However, I learned quickly, but they would. You know, even if they saw me struggling, they they let me struggle through it, and they were con- you know constructively criticizing like, okay, next time do it this way, mm-hmm. next time do it that way, or if you think you have a better way, let's come up with something together. I think that feedback is what what made me better. And right. if somebody was just like, okay, do it however you want, I I wouldn't be a good nurse. And I think the key word there is being constructive with with right. nurses and, and and with 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 new people because I I think and to your point. I think that uh, when you're calling someone names, that that just punctures their their confidence, oh, yeah. um, and and it's demoralizing. And um, so I, I think there is a big difference between being constructive and then just being angry to say, "Well, that was just dumb," you know, because uh, that, that 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 in a way is can be construed as, "Wow, I guess I was just called stupid right there." So one um, of the ways to well, respond, we gotta, oh, we have to quit? Actually, we need to quit. 
I'm sorry we have to end this. We maybe need to have another uh, session at some point. I'm going to be really interested to see what kind of comments people have. Please send them in, Twitter. I don't know what we're doing, all these things. Share your stories and, Mm -hmm. and give us some examples that we can pick up on next time. Keep your eye on the patient. Be the change. Be kind to one another. I'll watch you if you watch me. Friends of Flow is brought to you by NCLEX Mastery. Go to the App Store right now, download NCLEX Mastery. And before you leave, if you could just share this with your nursing friends, tell them about us, leave us feedback, go to our Facebook page, tell us what you liked, tell us what you didn't love so much, be nice. But thank you so much. We really appreciate you.